Thank you very much, and uh, good morning. Yeah, we are the light of the world. After what we've just prayed, where do you go other than to get back to God, to cry out to him? So let's be a church that is a light to those around us. Let's be living stones to those around us and bring hope and life where there's despair. This morning, yes, we're going to just carry on with the uh, the fourth in our series of Why Church? And this morning we're going to look at the Temple of Living Stones. And uh, we've already looked at three different aspects or pictures of the church. We looked at the church as being the bride of Christ. That's some picture, isn't it? And then two weeks ago we looked at us, the scripture talks about us being the people of God. God has always wanted a people for himself. He's always wanted a people to demonstrate his love and his grace uh, to the nations around. And uh, then last week we looked at the father's family. Yet another picture, a very vivid picture. And these are all different pictures um, that scripture gives us to describe God and particularly the church. So we're going to look at uh, some verses in 1 Peter towards the end of your Bibles and chapter 2. And we're going to read verses I'm actually going to read all the way through to verse 12, although we'll just be concentrating on verses 4 to 6. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, you also, the, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. What a word that is for us today. The one who puts his trust in him, in Jesus, will never be put to shame. Now, to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone and a stone that causes men to stumble. The name of Jesus still today is a name that causes men and women to stumble and to fall and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. We looked at this a couple of weeks ago. A holy nation, a people belonging to God that you 
you, 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 all around here, may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Oh, just reading those verses makes me come alive again to see what God has done in our lives. Let's just pray for a minute. Father, we just want to thank you this morning for this opportunity of being here. Lord, we thank you so much. We Forgive us where we have taken church for granted. Forgive us where we have failed to grasp the vision of what you wanted, Lord. You spoke through the uh, prophets of old that there would be one who would come and be a cornerstone and that upon, the, upon Jesus the building would be built and that that building would be a dwelling place of God. And Lord, I just pray that we will catch a vision this morning of the vision that we are your people, that we are dwelling with you, that there is something uh, beyond our wildest imagination that you want to do in our hearts today to just uh, restore us, to revive us, to send us forward into this week with new hope, with new dynamism. So Lord, we just want to pray that you will just speak by your Holy Spirit to each one of us this morning. I want just to pray too that our hearts will not be um, what the Bible calls callous. In other words, will be uh, indifferent to your word. Lord, your word has the power to change. And Lord, I just pray that your Holy Spirit will have free access. I pray that we will be a people who would not harden our hearts like your people did in the past. And forgive us again where we have done that. But Lord, renew us this morning in your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. About uh, three weeks ago, we um, went to, uh, down onto the south coast for a few days and we visited a place called Swanage, which uh, is um, just right, little town right next to the coast. It was very busy. Um, we decided to go for a walk up uh, out of Swanage up to a castle on the top of the hill that overlooks the the uh, the point of uh, you just look out all over to see it's a beautiful a beautiful view and um, so we we went uh, on this walk and we had done this walk before but we weren't quite sure to start with how to get it do we go on this path or do we go on that path but eventually after we'd gone through um, the outskirts of the town we came to a wooded area and there was a path uh, that takes you all the way up to this castle. And as we were walking up this, uh, up this castle, up to this castle, thanks Lizzie, if you can put the one of the wall, um, we, I said to Jane, look, I said, there's, that's a new wall, this is a picture of it. Um, it was a new dry stone wall, a dry stone where stones are just put together with no cements, they're just chosen by the, uh, by the stonemason um, from a rubble 
and he puts them in place and it makes a wall. Well, actually on this wall, you will see there is a bit of concrete because they've added some, some bigger stones on the top to make sure they don't fall down. But the point is, uh, it was very striking and um, we, needed that, we needed those little, that little guideline, that sort of, uh, that path, because on one side there was a, a sheer drop through the woods down to the sea, some hundreds of feet below, and so it kept us on the right track. And so uh, I was just amazed that there was some, I said, these, these are all new since we were here last. There were a few stones, and there was a bit of a brick wall the other side, which was a bit tarnished, but it was, it was still a wall. Um, but they'd obviously decided to make a feature and it went on for hundreds of yards. In fact, they were still building it. And so as we went on up this, uh, up this path, we then discovered uh, something very interesting. There's the path just at the top there. And there's a pile of rubble, rubble of stones. And again, I just said to Jane, wow, that's just amazing because I was going to be talking about this. So it set my mind thinking, here's a pile of stones. And there, the stonemason was going to take those stones and he was going to put them in the places where there were still gaps. And at some points uh, along the pathway, there were stones ready to be put into the wall, but they hadn't actually been put there uh, just yet. And it made quite a remarkable picture all the way up. And um, it just spoke to me so much of what we are. And this not, obviously was not a building um, in the sense of uh, what, um, uh, what the scripture talks about, but it's a picture of us as living stones. We are alive in the sense of we are part of something that is bigger and it has a purpose and... Uh, other people can see and be given direction because of it. And it's a picture of the church. And so, you know, once we were like that, we were like those stones. We were just in a rubble. There, there was, okay, um, maybe worth taking a picture, but probably not. I'd rather, you know, people would rather take a picture of the wall than just a, a rubble of stones. And there's a lot there. And so that is what set my mind. And I hope that's helpful because we're going to look at two particular phrases in these verses. One is the living stone, a capital S, and the other one is uh, living stones, small s. And so I want to try and uh, help us to pick up um, a vision of what God has in mind for, for the church. And first of all, then, we're going to look at the living stone. Verse 4, it says, As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him. Jesus. It says that in verse 6, that Jesus is described as a chosen and precious cornerstone. It goes back to the Old Testament and when the prophets declared that there would be one. In Isaiah 28, verse 16, it says that this is what the sovereign Lord says. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone. The one who trusts in me will never be dismayed. That phrase again. And in other passages in the Old Testament, there's this, uh, these pictures of the cornerstone and referring to the time when 
Jesus would be just that. He's referring to a time when Jesus would come to usher in a new age of grace, a new age of the Spirit, where his people would be living stones and where Jesus would dwell in their hearts, a new temple to display to the world. But what is a cornerstone? It's not a word that particularly we come across in everyday life now, unless you're a builder or have some connection with the building industry. But this is what, uh, this is what the, the, the dictionary says. A cornerstone or foundation stone or setting stone is the first stone in the construction of a masonry foundation. All other stones will be set in reference to this stone, thus determining the position of the entire structure. Let me just read that again. The cornerstone is the first stone set in the construction of a masonry foundation. All other stones will be set in reference to this stone, thus determining the position of the entire structure. Everything to do with that structure building was based on the cornerstone. Jesus is central to our faith. He is our cornerstone. He is the one through to which all of us are linked in some way. He is the, uh, the point of reference. He is the one that we refer to. Uh, he is the one who has come and he, as we will see, laid down his life and so the foundation of God's building is his son, Jesus Christ, the living stone. And the living stones, in turn, are us believers who come to Jesus and place their lives upon this foundation. And that is why, amongst other things, the precious stone, or the living stone, is precious to us. Jesus is precious to us. Uh, in... Um, uh, a book by Phil Moore who, on this passage. I'm just going to uh, quote a couple of sentences because it, it summarises this little section far better than I can uh, with, um, with, with great clarity. It says this, The Old Testament prophesied that the Jewish nation would reject Jesus, the living stone, and that the temple in Jerusalem would be destroyed. But it was also prophesied that God would build a better temple with the Messiah, Jesus, as the cornerstone. Peter tells us that God is therefore doing this through us, would you believe? We are living stones in the new, new temple. Our churches are God's house. Our church members are his holy priests and are serving together are his temple sacrifices. We need to remember this when unbelievers despise our churches and when believers start to give up on organised Christianity, Peter tells us that individualism is sin. God has called us together as a building that takes centre stage to bring him glory. Wow. So how can Jesus be our cornerstone on which we build? And I'm just going to read uh, some verses at the end of 1 Peter chapter 2, in this same chapter uh, that we've we started reading. It says, verses 21 to 25, To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. 
Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Jesus bore our sins in his body so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. That is so powerful. That is what draws us to God. That is why we've responded. And if you haven't responded to Jesus yourself or you don't consider yourself to believe, believe, to, to believe this, then scripture is quite clear about what Jesus has done for you. That he, that anyone who trusts in him will not be put to shame. And shame is such a horrendous, it's such a big thing today. But the promise is that for anyone who does not believe in Jesus uh, at the moment, that if you put your trust in Jesus, you will never be put to shame by God. You will never be put to shame. That's a wonderful privilege and it's a wonderful release. And so let's move on to verse 5 and the fact that we are living stones being built into a spiritual house. As we've heard over the last three weeks, church is not a building. There are church buildings, but church in the sense is of what we're looking at here in scripture is people. It's you and it's me. In the Old Testament, the people had to go to the temple to offer their sacrifices to a priest and make atonement for their sin and peace with God through the blood of the sacrifice. Listen to this in Ephesians 2, verses 19 to 22. This is a so clear again. Uh, speaking of the new covenant made by Jesus, consequently, you are no longer foreigners or aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the, prophet, uh, the apostles and prophets, with Christ himself as the chief cornerstone. Note that again. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord, and in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. And in him you, 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 all of us here, you are too, are being built together. Why? To be some sort of club, to just be a society, something just different? No. They are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. A dwelling where God lives by his spirit. See, it's not, church is just not our choice, or well, I'll, I'll go to a church. No. It's God's heart. <laughs> it's God's heart. You know, we, we, we think, well, we, we need to get out of our consumer culture, and we need to see the bigger picture of the church as being centre stage in what God's purposes and plans are. So much so in these days, we are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. 
So believers then are the living stones of the church that Jesus has promised to build. In Matthew 16, verse 18, it says to Peter, I tell you that you, Peter, uh, and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Do you believe that this morning? Maybe as you look around the world, you think, how can that possibly be with world events as they are? How can it be that the gates of Hades will not overcome it? When you look at persecution in so many countries, increasing, even in this nation in which we live, in this country, there is persecution of Christians, maybe in a slightly different way than is seen in others, in other countries. But whenever, whenever there is persecution, and this applies to us in this nation, the people of God still go forward. Believers increase. I don't know how, other than the fact that it's God who gets the glory from all this. As living stones, we have a new life in Christ. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. And so we're integral parts of the building of God. We have an identity and we have a security in Christ linked to and joined to the cornerstone, the living stone, Jesus We're being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. What a privilege that is. What a privilege. Lord, I I pray that I'll just grasp that vision that you have for your church in my own heart and for the people here as well. As the master builder, God places his living stones just where he wants them to be. You know, going back to this picture here of the stones... I don't know if you would pick one up where you'd put it if you were building a wall. It doesn't really matter, actually. But God has chosen you. He's taken you out of that rubble. Different sizes, different shapes to be together, to build something of purpose, to build his temple by which he is going to live through us. And other people will see that. And so I believe this morning that God does not want, uh, that God does not consider it to be a coincidence that you are sitting here this morning, that you live in this area of Hertfordshire. He knew it and he arranged for you to be at this place at this time. I brought with me this morning something I found in our garden this week. Well, actually, I it goes on the top of our barbecue cover to stop the barbecue cover from blowing off when we have gales. It's a brick, okay, it's not a stone, but it will suit our purposes this morning. And um, yeah, actually it's the colour of our house. It's the same colour stone. So um, maybe when the house was built decades ago, this brick was just left lying around. I thought, well, what's the point of a brick just by itself? You know, it's a bit damaged. It's got a bit weather-beaten. Yeah, what use is it? It's a good question. You see, some of us are like this brick. We're isolated. We've thought, well, what's the point of church? (laughs) Uh, What's the point of being joined together? And look at me, you know, look at me. <laughs> a bit weather-beaten, <laughs> a, bit, a bit damaged. Okay, that side's all right. That's not bad. If you look at me that side, I'm pretty good. 
that's how I want you to, to see me. But I'm not sure I want you to see me like this. And look at that side. Dirty. Oh, I wonder how we perceive ourselves and uh, what the purpose is. You see, God's got this wonderful plan for us. And uh, I've just... Uh, I'm just being re-stirred myself. It says here in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 18, God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. As living stones, we are connected to one another in the body of Christ. So God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Are you happy to be alongside the next person here? <laughs> Are you happy about, about that? Um, you know, going back to my brick, there's a few rough edges here. Sometimes we rub people up the wrong way or our lives touch and we go, ooh, 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 that was a bit painful. I'm not sure I want to be with that person anymore. But God is shaping, he's, he's chiseling away. I didn't bring a chisel and a hammer with me today because I didn't want to make a mess in this lovely new building. But I get, hope you get the picture here. You know, we're all tarnished in some way. <laughs> we're, all, we're all that way. We were once dead in our sins and in our trespasses. We were aliens to God. We were without hope. But God, in his great mercy, has come. And he's come to bring us new life. Something to think about there, really, isn't it? Romans 12, verse 5 says this, So in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. So our Lord, the foundation stone, is alive forevermore. He will never crumble. He is the perfect stone. He will support us. So what are some of the landmarks, or sorry, what some of the hallmarks of being living stones together? There are so many. Um, acceptance of each other, forgiveness, encouragement, strength in adversity, suffering, humility, loyalty trusted each other. There's one in, again in 1 Peter 4 verse 8 that I just want to pick up. 1 Peter 4 verse 8. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. We've all fallen short of God's glory, of his grace. And yet, together we have been changed. Yes, we're still a bit rough around the edges still a bit damaged, but God is working out. Twenty-five years ago, Terry Virgo wrote a book called A People Prepared. Long before lockdown, and are getting used to armchair Christianity. And he said this, 
Modern Western society is characterised by selfishness and isolation. It will require application on your heart to devote yourself to fellowship. Often the TV and the armchair will be the soft option, luring you away from opportunities of fellowship at house group or elsewhere. You see, post-lockdown church offers similar challenges to us today. And I find these two. A few weeks ago, I had a text um, from, uh, from Dom, and he said, uh, you know, in September, we're going to start serving one another in the church through the groups. And my immediate thought was, ooh, I've got used. I've got used, actually, to other people doing it. Uh, I've got used to other people serving. I quite like this. I'm quite, quite comfortable with it. <laughs> Get used to it. But you know what? The leaders here have been serving us, I think I'm right in saying this, every week whilst we've been coming back here. Um, what an example that is in serving others and in laying their people's lives down. So what does it mean for us? To what have we been called to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ? That is what we are asked to be, to offer spiritual sacrifices. What are these spiritual sacrifices? Well, again, there are a number, but I haven't got time other than to mention one, and that is a sacrifice of praise. Hebrews 13, verse 15 says, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess his name. Something we have to do. I want to encourage and perhaps suggest to you this morning and ask you, what is the first thing that you think of when you wake up in the morning? Maybe it's the worries of the day, the concerns, or just, oh, I'm late, um, I'm going to miss, miss my bus or train or uh, that, that Zoom message, that Zoom call. I don't know, but I wonder, let us have an attitude of thanksgiving and of gratitude to God. Make that a habit, a good habit. And to suggest to you, urge you perhaps, the first thing in the morning, think, thank you, Lord. This is the day you have made. Let me be glad in it and rejoice, whatever happens. So this constant reminding of myself of being grateful to God, of having an, a, 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 that sort of attitude to declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into the light and life of glory. Why are we doing this? Again, I'm coming back, pinching a bit of David's message from two weeks ago, 1 Peter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a, a people belonging to God. That's who we belong to. We belong to God. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful life. That is what our job description is to some extent, to declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Oh, hallelujah. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Our devotion to other sacrifices could include our time, money, talents, sharing in prayer, surrendering of our wills to God. But you know what? Just, uh, nearly there. But we 
don't offer spiritual sacrifices for what we get out of it. You know, we're not part of a club. You pay your subscription and you expect the club. You have certain benefits, certain rights. No, no, we offer what we are without strings attached because it is in our hearts to live in close fellowship with God. As believers and followers in Jesus, as Christians offer the sacrifice of the heart. And why? It's all for his glory. It's all for his glory. It's not that we can say we have built the church. It's not about, we want, we individually want glory and so we want to be recognised. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be accepted. But God wants the glory for what he's doing in his church. He wants the glory. And I look around here and say, Lord, I see your glory, Lord, in these people here, your glory. Sometimes I think, I just want to have 5%, Lord, of the glory. Can, can we come to a deal, Lord? I'll have 5% of the glory of what I'm doing. No, 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 no. Zero glory is what you get, Colin. Zero, zero. It's all about him. Or change our hearts, Lord, change our minds. One final quote, and then to move into a time of prayer. Um, and this is also a, a, a book recommendation. God's treasured possession, Walk in the Footsteps of Moses by Terry Virgo, just literally been um, off the press this, this year. Terry's a man, I think, now in his 80s, and yet he has still got such an amazing heart for God, and he's still writing. He's 80. So if, if there's anybody who is 80-plus here this morning, there you are. There's your challenge. Well, I'm almost there, but um, I'm not sure about writing a book. But anyway, this is what Terry says in this book. Later, Paul will teach that the church is a building fitted together and growing into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also are being built together in the dwelling of God in his spirit. God's spirit will actually dwell amongst us. Peter will add that we are as living stones being built up as a spiritual house. God's intention to be among his people has never been rescinded. Believers must anticipate and welcome his wonderful presence, particularly when they gather in his name, as we've been doing this morning, eager to hear his word and worship him in celebration of the wonder of the living God being among them. Let us not settle for anything less.